don't give up and don't underestimate your own common sense. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's 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 your body. It was my body. And, you know, as I said, I didn't go cold turkey with everything and just, you know, not listen to any doctors. But I did question the doctors. I did choose in one sense, you know, they told me it was not a good idea maybe to get off my stuff, but of course they're going to say that. So what did I do? I made an educated decision that, and followed my common sense and said, okay, well, I'm going to slowly do it and see how I feel. But at the same time, using common sense, what can I do with my diet? What can I do with my friends? What can I do with my life? And I think the more questions you ask yourself, so people, yeah, not you and me specifically, but everybody, the more questions you ask yourself, the more answers you're going to get, the more answers you get, the more information and data you have to make better decisions. So don't give up and, tr and, and trust yourself. Do you need encouragement to turn tragedies into your own triumphant life story? If so, this podcast is for you. Listen to powerful guests who have persevered through challenges so you can gain strength to build your championship life. The host of Professor of Perseverance Podcast, Dr. James Perdue. Hey, go ahead and jump and grab that cup of joe, grab that beverage if you like to get started in the day, and we are back again for another episode of the Professor of Perseverance Podcast. I am Dr. James Perdue, the Professor of Perseverance here. Today, our guest, we're going to talk about how he went through his bipolar depression, ADHD, he decided he wasn't going to take medication and went through using cleaner food. We're going to find out what this cleaner food is that helped him get through his depression and ADHD. Hey, welcome to the show for coming on here. And we have David Grant. Hey, thanks for having me. I think I'm on. I think we're live now, right? We are what you call live at five. But we're not at five, though. We're nine in the morning, but uh, <laughs> but we are live. Yes. Well, it makes you feel any better. It's 420. Actually, it's 420 for all the people that laugh at that joke. 421 to be exactly. So I'm not so far away from five o'clock. But for you, yes. Uh, so where are you located for that time? Dude, I'm in Stuttgart, Germany right now. So I come from the States. And yeah, uh, yeah man, was uh, five years in Egypt. And uh, I've been God, here now. How many years? I came here in 2012. It's 22. So was that nine years? <laughs> right? Yeah, nine yeah, years we... in Germany, if I do my math correctly. Yeah, we get uh, maybe if we get a little extra time at the end, maybe we talk about how you almost got killed in Egypt here. Oh, the, yeah, uh, yeah, Egypt and Nigeria a few times. Yeah, yeah so, wow. Well, okay, yeah. one time in Nigeria almost kidnapped, but uh, but yeah, and oh, a wow. few times. Yeah, well, I mean, it's. I tell you what right? we're going to do. I, let's go ahead and say this now, David. Let's go ahead and we'll do, I won't call it a part one, part two, but we'll talk about today so we don't overwhelm everybody with the bipolar depression, sure. ADHD, and getting clean off that. And then let's come back at a later date to discuss the possible kidnapping in Egypt. Thing. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Find the, I find those fascinating because here I am in, at home in a wheelchair from getting my neck broke playing football, never been to war, never been, uh, I've never even shot a gun, okay, a, a real gun. And, you know, I played with no cap guns growing up, but not even a real And hearing other people's stories on their wartime or, or adventures, it just fascinates me how how they got through things like that. So li well, we'll, we'll little disclaimer there, though. Little disclaimer is actually I was just in the airport, so I won't uh, no spoiler alert here. But that one, I was just in the airport, and uh, I was in Nigeria for what four, almost a month. So I've got a bunch of 
other stories, but that specific one was, uh, yeah, I, I was just in the airport. They forgot to pick me up. I was going to take a taxi. Long story short, the manager heard it and he was like, dude, you can't take a taxi. And I was like, okay, why not? And he was like, because if you do, the chances of that taxi driver outside, like whoever it is, selling you to the Boko Haram is like more than likely. And I was like, really? Wow. Okay. And so wow. I just sat in a chair for nine hours until the until the Egyptian Tennis Federation woke up because I came in in the evening and uh, remembered to come pick me up. Wow. Yeah. To be sold off like that. Wow. So definitely, we're going to come back to that at a yeah, later that's cool. that's date, fine. Definitely, and we definitely, can discuss definitely. the because uh, can me to me that's because I, I, I talked to another guy that actually got he was with that uh, doctors across borders. Yeah, sure, and he sure. Actually, he got kidnapped and was held for five million dollars ransom for oh, twenty wow. months for twenty months for okay. his. And so yeah, so it, it's fascinating to me the how you know stuff like it goes on because. You know, Damn. here we're in America, unless you're in the wrong part mm -hmm. of America, you don't know any of this stuff going on. And yeah. so that'd be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So let's go ahead and let's go and get on your this bipolar depression and ADHD. And you decided or how old were you when you were diagnosed for you to decide to ditch the medication? So so it's a good question. It's, it's a little bit more convoluted than that, because uh, I was born. Um, I came from a family of doctors and lawyers and entrepreneurs. So luckily we had the, the financial means to, to do like what we needed to do. But the problem is, is a lot of times that is maybe when you have the, when you have the opportunity for everything, sometimes you just, you know, the, you accidentally go the, the path of least resistance. And so I was born, I was, I had a, uh, like a, I think it was fluid in my ear. I still always forget what it was, but either way, I couldn't hear very well. So one of my ears, I think both of them actually, was something like my hearing was like 70% down. The problem is, is when you're a kid, you don't know that, right? Because you're not like chatting with everybody. So it's like my, mo my mom had no clue. And so I heard everything muffled. And so when I started speaking, my R's and my L's just, I, I couldn't do it. So ruler was wooer. Um, yeah, world, word, there, there was just no difference between them. And so uh, I started going to speech therapy classes, which was a disaster in its own sense, because, you know, they, they, they just, they have to exaggerate how you should speak. So radio was radio. So really drawing the tongue. Yeah. And mm -hmm. if you're in a wealthy school with wealthy kids, I mean, I, I sometimes, well, actually I have an experience where I went to poorer schools after and I got accepted right away. The wealthier schools is where I got made fun of more. And so I, I you know, that, that kind of a con a roundabout situation to that was the start of my bipolar depression was, you know, I just wasn't happy. I literally had everybody making fun of me when everyone kind of made fun of me, you know, I guess you, you get, you can, you know, do whatever you can to be friends with them, or you can just basically punch them in the face. And uh -huh. I chose the latter of the two. So it didn't really make my me friends any quicker. And, uh, yeah, next thing, you know, it was basically just me against the whole school. And everybody, and I was young, I was seven, eight, nine, because I went to my first mental hospital at 11 for depression. Yeah. And because I just, I didn't want to live anymore. So I always make it very clear with people like, oh man, did you try to commit suicide? And I said, no, I'm pretty good at what I want to do. So if I tried, I probably wouldn't be here right now. And I think there's a really big difference between people that 
don't feel the desire to live anymore in actually taking an action to do something. There's a massive difference. So I always want to Yeah, be very, I can believe I yeah. can believe that. Yeah. yeah. I guess that very, yeah. I want to be very clear out of respect for the people that have done that or have lost somebody or, you know, did do something and and were saved or whatever, is that I'm not trying to go down that road and say I was there because I luckily, you know, I never reached that point of it before I got help. But um but yeah, so so no, long story short on that end um, yeah, you go to a, you know, you go to a mental hospital and right away they're like, Oh, you know, you're depressed. They didn't look at if I really had any family issues. They didn't take into account that like the whole school's making fun of me, like nothing. It was just like, okay, well, your brain is broken. You're depressed. You have this, like, you know, it's, it runs in your family. So it totally makes sense. We need to make you happy. So let's put you on you know, Prozac, Tegretol, lithium, what, whatever it was. And from that day on, it was basically like, okay, well, you know, that that's for my bipolar depression. And then this idea of ADD and ADHD, I mean, I'm sorry, but you know, at 40 years old now, a lot of times when I'm speaking with parents that have kids, I'm like, listen, before you, you know, before you put your kids on Ritalin or Adderall or whatever, why don't we ask some questions for first? A, does the, is the teacher boring? B, I mean, what eight-year-old wants to sit, you know, in an hour of math class anyways? And, you know, and, and number three, what is he eating? Are you sending him to, you know, school full of like Pop-Tarts and cornflakes? I mean, I, I couldn't focus at 40 years old with that in my system. And I just, and I don't think anybody ever asked those questions. It was, and, and since I came from a pretty wealthy family, they didn't need to ask those questions. We could afford whatever they needed. And so, you know, my mother and my father loved me. So they wanted to help me. My father's a doctor. And he, at this time, back in the 80s, 90s, it was very like Western medicine. There was no podcasts like this or really, I mean, YouTube even. Yeah, none of this existed. Where people could, where these like fringe people could come out and talk about anecdotal stories of what was working. And so, yeah, I think I came from a generation of children that basically were, you know, tossed on medicine pretty quick just because we didn't fit into that mold of, I don't know, like I joke with my clients and I say, listen, man, if your kid, a nine-year-old boy can sit at a desk for six hours and study, I'm more worried about that kid than the one that's bouncing all over the walls because any kid that can do that, that's not normal. He should be outside running around and, you know, breaking his arm or breaking somebody else's. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Hey, now, before we go any further, let's go and jump in. We are not medical experts, so people, be sure to check with your physician before you decide to stop a medicine, add medicine. Be sure to do what's right with the discussion with your medical physician and advice from there. Now, let's go to this. I agree 100% with some of this ADHD and uh, whatever, you know, ADHD, whatever. All these letters everywhere. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with part of it is these kids have got to get up and move around. Mm. They're not they're not made at that young to be able to concentrate for an hour at a time, sitting still and doing and be the best person ever. Uh they at that age they want to get up, move, have fun, play around and everything like that. Now, my cure, because I, I if that I would have been considered the ADHD when I was growing up. Sure. And sure. and my and my cure would was back then my dad bust my butt and told me to calm down. Wasn't no yeah. medicine, wasn't no medicine taken. It was a good old, I'll give you a reason to get up and dance around. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so there's a there's a yeah, there's a difference in what needs. I understand there's some things that you need to 
uh, if you've ex exhausted everything, then I understand the medication. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. That's definitely. Uh, I always say I just people don't be go born with, with just all of a sudden your depression here. Go ahead and take this now. Yeah, I always, I always, you know, say that you know someone can be born with one arm, if someone can be born with no leg, if someone can be, you know, born with you know babies are stuck together, whatever. Then obviously, if something like that can happen, then for sure. There's people that are out there born with, you know, I mean, a broken brain. That's just such a negative way to say it. But maybe with a serotonin uptake issue. Yeah, for sure. 100%. I, I totally agree. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's the same approach with my physical therapy. You know, if my mom needs a new knee and one knee isn't like, you know, stand like uh, classic air quotes, good condition, the mobility, the range of motion, the strength, it ticks all the boxes. And that's not the one that hurts her. But the one that does is completely like the range, the flexibility is terrible. Like it would fail the test anyways. I'm like, all right, well, you can get the surgery. That's fine. But why don't we like get it in like a good condition first and then see if you need the surgery because if you do then when you get out of surgery you're you're already a few steps ahead of the game and and that exact example my mom got it like a little bit better and put off surgery for 10 years and so i think i, I could totally agree with you by no means and i always want everyone to understand that I, I, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. Of course it exists. But even if it does exist, and even if the person does need that medication, they don't need to be eating Pop-Tart for breakfast. Like you can still make these minor changes and it's definitely not gonna hurt. And I would say even minimally, it's gonna, okay, minimally, it's probably gonna maximally help. But worst case scenario, if your kid gets off Pop-Tarts and on something more natural, you will notice a difference no matter what his, his no matter what type of brain he has. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it's not just the pop tart we're talking; it's the sugar. It's all added in there, yeah. and all the other chemical things. Like for uh, my service dog, found out he's allergic to beef, and I'm going, "There's no way a dog is allergic to beef." Yeah, he's allergic to everything that's put in that beef. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm saying, so how good is it for us to be eating this stuff with all the chemicals if yeah. he's allergic to it? And so the same thing with us; it's not the Pop tart. We're not trying to slam pop tart and others. It's it's <laughs> yes, the it's it's the sugar and additives that chemicals that are put yeah, in sure. there that these sure. brains are not ready for, and, and bodies not ready for. Yeah, exactly. So, well, I'm glad that uh, you're able to uh, mature enough and everything to realize I don't want to be on the medicine. Just change things. Okay. Well, you and, know, and I also so sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no. I was just uh, going. I was going to say so. Uh, lead us into. What's some modifications that you made changes in your eating with your food? You yeah, said so cleaner, use the term here, cleaner food. Yeah, yeah. So for me, it was pretty interesting. I mean, I'll kind of, I'll walk down the road to where I kind of started recognizing like the holes in the system, so to speak. And for anyone that's watching this, I'm just sitting on the floor uh, because I got kicked out of my office here by my girlfriend. So <laughs> don't mind the vacuum behind me here. But, um, uh, you know, so what would happen would be, uh, I would really have a lot of brain fog. Now I'm going back all the way to like, I think 14, 15 years old. And so, so actually I'll, I'll give a little timeline so people can understand what happened. Uh, first mental hospital was at 11. And then I went to a different school in the more poor 
part of town. Father drove up in a big white Mercedes. Everybody else, I mean, I, I remember going to people's houses and they would, you know, drop the F word and bang on the door. And I thought, I, I didn't know who they were speaking to when they were speaking to their parents. And so just a massive, massive difference of, uh, of people in the school. So I roll up like a movie in a white Mercedes, big Mercedes. I get out and I'm like, okay, either two things are going to happen. Like I'm going to get you know, beat up pretty bad or, uh, or nothing. I don't know. Or they're going to think I'm cool. And I walked up and I went into class and, you know, the kid that actually that day went home and, you know, said, Hey mother, blah, 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 let me in. And was speaking to his parents, um, was kind of like the, the class bully, but the cool kid. And he turned to Mm -hmm. me and he was like, Hey dude, where are you from? And I said, yeah, I live up on the Hill, which was the rich area where I came from. And he's like, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I saw the car what are you doing here? And I said, yeah, I didn't really get along with the rich kids. He's like, oh, well, you're going to fit in great here. And from that day on, we were best friends. And uh, so it was, that's why I said before that I said, yeah, it was interesting because I knew it was worse in the wealthier schools. So I went there, unfortunately started getting in trouble, went to military school. The military school I went to almost got shut down by the FBI for sexual and physical abuse. Luckily, I was just on the physical end, went to another mental hospital. My mom didn't know what to do with me, went to another mental hospital. And then uh, by then I was just you know pretty crazy because you see some pretty interesting stuff in those places. So my mom found an emotional group growth boarding school out in Oregon, where I basically lived there for two years, went on like two, three day hiking trips with like water and bread and a notepad. And uh, I was 13 years old, the youngest kid they ever accepted to that school. And uh, actually, funny enough, I, I don't know if I should say this, but uh, Paul Mitchell's uh, stepson was my roommate there for two years. And it was a very strict school. We went through life steps where we were up for like two, three days at a time, rarely sleeping. So all these schools obviously were shut down. But the approach was, yeah, I mean, I, I say, you know, again, in air quotes for people that can't see me, uh, it saved my life. I mean, it, it really gave me a deeper level of, um, of who I was. Uh, unfortunately, nothing ever was really discussed with nutrition. So, to you know, not to continue this podcast for like ten hours here, but just to give the you know the the, the listeners some context, I started recognizing that sometimes I would have this laser focus, like laser focus. Like I when I was in prep school. So after all that, I sent I was sent to a boarding school back east, you know, where all the wealthy kids go. And so I would get laid over on planes like all the time. I was living in Kansas City and my school was in Maine. And uh, I bought um, Freakonomics, which is a book written by a dude from uh, MIT that, you know, graduated early with his PhD. And it relates a whole bunch of crazy stuff together uh, in the field of economics. And it's, it's a cool book. And uh, yeah, I got laid up, uh, had eight hours, bought the book, thought I would read 30 pages of it and finish the entire thing without moving. Now, I had a massive headache, obviously, when I was done, but I, I, I didn't know why I could read so well like that, that laser focus. So I happened to go back to Kansas city, see my mother's psychiatrist, which was one of the best of the best, of course. And I asked him, I said, Hey dude, Dr. Hale, why am I, why, why, why can this happen sometimes? And he's like, Oh, well that's because of your medication. I said, no, actually I was out of it. I didn't take any of it because I had Adderall. And he was like, Hmm. Okay. Well then when it's a book that you would enjoy, and I was a big athlete. So I was like, well, what do you mean by that? He was like, you know, like an autobiography of an athlete. And I was like, oh, that's interesting you say that because it was actually a book written by a guy from MIT with his PhD, da 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 da. And it was about, it was called Freakonomics. And I just remembered this like blank look on his face. He ran out of, he ran out of answers. Yeah. He didn't know what to say. 
And so then all he wanted to do was just give me more Adderall. And it was just like, it was like, I, I, I don't know. It was, it was like in the matrix, like somebody unplugged him. He didn't know what to do anymore. And I was, and that was when I was like, okay, something, something's wrong here. They're, they're, they're missing something. Nonetheless, everybody was just selling the hell out of the Adderall in boarding schools. I told him that him and my mom at this time didn't believe me. Six months later, I think MTV came out with like some show about how all these rich boarding school kids are selling their Adderall. And then everybody believed me. So I knew I was onto something, but I didn't know what it was until I started going to Europe every once in a while, and all of a sudden, I would recognize in Europe, I would have more of these moments where I had this clarity, where the brain fog was gone. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, long story short, I was 24 years old, done with my master's, done with my undergrad, still struggling, and my sister's husband is like this computer tech genius guy that started doing CrossFit just so he could stay in shape, and he asked me if I had heard about the... uh, uh, paleo, paleo diet. So they say it a little oh, bit yeah. different in Europe. And I, uh-huh. and I knew about the book, uh, but I, yeah, I never read it. And then he just kind of told me like the idea, the concept of it. And so I just had brain fog cause I came from like Applebee's with my mom and, you know, I never thought about any of this stuff. And, uh, and I just thought, okay, I should eat like a caveman. What does that mean? And I'll never forget this. I went to the refrigerator. I think I was like 25 at the time I was back from Egypt. So my, it was a little bit better because Egypt had cleaner food, but I still hadn't put my thumb on my finger on it. And mm-hmm. he was, he, so he told me about it and I had brain fog and I went to the kitchen and I said, okay, well, like, I don't know. What can I eat? So I remember eating a bunch of sunflower seeds, some lettuce, a few carrots, some cold turkey because it was uh, Thanksgiving. That's why I was back. And, uh, and, and nothing else. And, uh, and I remember about 30 minutes later, like the fog just disappeared. Like I went from, so people watching on YouTube, I was kind of just in this daze. And I just kind of remember just coming out of the daze. It was like waking up. And I was like, oh my God what just happened? And from that day on, I just, I never looked back and yeah, my food allergies were basically gone. And then from there, it was just tweaking everything. For me, I eat more of a carnivore diet. Now I eat a lot of saturated fat, a lot of red meat, uh, not many vegetables actually. Cause for some reason, vegetables just really irritated my gut microbiome. I do much better with fruits and, uh, and I, 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 I don't eat much. I intermittent fast. Yeah. And I'm not super strict with my diet. I dance salsa. So I, you know, I drink alcohol, but dancing salsa limits it because you, you know, the man has to lead the woman. So uh-huh. uh, I've got nothing against tequila and whiskey and having a good time. But just by default, since I'm usually going places and dancing, that limits my alcohol intake just because, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm basically doing like Zumba the whole time. Yeah. I can say with this uh, medicine, especially when the, these people start throwing, 12, 15, 17 pills at one time. Yeah. And this cocktail, I yeah. just don't understand how do they not think that these things are not interacting with each other and neither <sighs> causing something they don't know or depleting something they don't know. Uh, I yeah. just don't understand when they're taking that much that that much medication, the cocktail, how it's not interacting and, and changing things I don't understand. And I'm one of them, but again, everybody check with your own physician, check with your own medical advice, and y'all come up with a plan for you. But I, I take very little uh, for me. I believe your body can do a lot more yeah. uh, if it's natural. 
And again, yeah, I understand yeah. you have to take things like me being a spinal cord injury. I get recurring UTI, so I know I have to have antibiotics mm -hmm. to help cure that. I understand. Okay. Uh, so I have to take, but I take, I mean, I've rarely taken anything for a headache. You know, I'd rather just push on through and get myself calmed down and, and go. So yeah, for you to, to jump out on this new tradition, uh, nutritional value to find out that, uh, cleaning your system out and lifting that fog. Yeah. I, I can see and understand it, uh, doing that. Well, you know, and it's just, you know, a lot of times I just, you know, I've got my undergrad in uh, sports medicine, athletic training is what it's called. And my master's in human performance. And just for everyone listening, when I did choose to just basically, you know, go cold turkey and, and stop a lot of these medications, I was still seeing my psychiatrist at all times. So like, I knew I would be fine. My mother was a little bit worried at the time. And uh, basically, you know, she would ask the psychiatrist, yeah, okay, well, what's going to happen? He'd be like, well, you know, if it was like lithium or Prozac or whatever I was on, they said, let's go off that one slowly. And as long as the kid remains happy, like we don't need much to worry about. It's not like he's going to have a heart attack. And, you know, and with the Ritalin and the Adderall, and he's like, and as long as his grades don't dip, I think you're okay. And so it wasn't like, it was my idea and I wasn't really going to take no for an answer. But at the same time, if, you know, I, I did it under air quotes, medical supervision, if, if I would have yeah, yeah, known yeah. that like I would, gonna, you know, possibly have my heart stop, then obviously I would have found another way. So for all the listeners out there, don't think I'm just some rogue guy that was just, you know, stop my psychiatrist, you know cold turkey and just threw everything down the toilet because it wasn't like that either i wish they would listen to, and of course i have no idea with the kids but I, I would hope that these medical people parents would listen to their child when they say uh, uh i don't want to take this anymore I, and maybe they do this they'll say all right well let's try weaning you off let's see how you're still acting and if you're doing everything correctly we'll you know remove but first sign of you going back to where you were then we need to get back to it and uh hopefully they do do more of that I, i'm not too i don't know again because i haven't taken anything like that yeah and, but that's and, that's that's a bit dangerous sorry to interrupt you only because i see that a lot with like therapy right like uh people you know like if you have a cast on and someone's like okay it's you know it's it's time to take the cast off and one arm is super weak we would never put the guy back in a football game <laughs> we would like yeah. okay do we need to strengthen your arm first and so a lot of times they're like okay well johnny you want to get off ritalin well you know keep eating your pop tarts keep sleeping terribly keep playing video games and you know keep hanging out with you know people that make fun of you all the time and let's go ahead and get you off your depression medication yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and you know what i'm saying and then and then they'll like oh it's not getting any better well of course not johnny that's because i told you your brain is broken and you're like yeah but i mean that's not really fair it's kind of like setting you know setting somebody up for failure okay uh, and it's fair i understand because i wouldn't think but i get again. your point though i, I totally wouldn't i wouldn't think I would, yeah i wasn't thinking about the the changing i guess because i was thinking all this stuff would already be changed with the pop tarts and the yeah, friends yeah, yeah, yeah. and the, right, you know right. the so-called friends or not friends, and I guess I was thinking all that would be, I don't want to say fixed already, but you know already been changed. Hopefully, and well, that just shows you how you approach life, not, right? Yeah, and hopefully, I mean, I say hopefully, and probably that's not. It's probably more like you're talking. They're on the medication because they're still doing the yeah. the other stuff with the high sugars and 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 they're not changing their habits. So this is why they're basically still on it, I guess. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's you know, and I think the way you look at it is the way I wish uh, doctors and medical professionals would look at it. And I and it's you know, it's kind of like you were like, well, I kind of assumed, and I wish we could assume that. I wish you know we would just you know by default accidentally just you know forget to ask these questions because people do do the right thing. But I think in so many cases right now, our medical community is just so broken. And it's and and I don't even blame them for it. I mean, my father was a doctor, so I saw what he went through, and I've read met many books about how just how broken the system is. And those goes guys, those guys don't have time to know it's broken. I mean, I think the average doctor I heard from a a guy named Chris Cresser, who was a, an author himself, said that some research suggested that you're, you're the average doctor in America is around twenty years behind on current research because when they oh, finally wow. do their continuing education, wh- who do you think pays for it? Yeah, it's yeah. all stuff done by the pharmaceutical yeah. company. So they're learn they're basically learning learning pharmacology. Wow. That's amazing that they would be Well, I mean, you see it, right? Because that, yeah. No, sorry. You you just, you know, I was I remember being like riddling. They'd be like, "Okay, well, it's out of your system in like 4 hours." And I would be like lying in bed, you know, just bright-eyed like you needing yeah. to sleep as like a 13-year-old boy. And then I was speaking with, you know, Dr. Hale, my 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 psychiatrist at the time, I still remember his name. And I'm like, "Dude, I can't sleep." And he's like, "Okay, well, hmm, you know what we should do then? We should give you I think it was was it clonidine or Tegretol? One of those is, I'm sure some parents are like, oh, I know that one. One of them basically undoes to your heart what Ritalin accidentally did. And I'm like, so you're going to give me one medicine <laughs> to undo the other one? Like, that's crazy. And I think that's the that's the general thinking of our medical field right now. Wasn't that, um, what was that, uh, the pill? I mean, I don't know, but I don't know the name of it. But one of the things that would, people would take, something like a speed to keep them up during the day, but then they're taking sleeping pills at night, you know, to, to be able to sleep in. And there people were doing, and this is, you know, without doctors, obviously with speed, yeah. but, you know, people, people would, you know, talk about, I got to have me something to get me up and going, but then I got to take something to get me back down to sleep. And I'm thinking, man, why can't you just naturally let your body do that? And see, I, yeah. I didn't do, I didn't do a lot of drugs and stuff growing up. And, and, and so, but yeah, so when I mentioned about, I assumed all this. I'm assuming because I didn't, yeah, go through what you do, what you went through, and going through. So yes, yeah, so I'm naive about a lot of that. Well, you know, one one thing I see, and this is completely off topic and and kind of off topic, I guess, and um, interesting because you know you you yourself are are. are, are is handicapped the right word? Is that is that the right word? I don't even know what's politically correct. Uh, disabled. Politically, or... they would just say disabled or challenged. Okay. So it, to me, I don't care what it's called. People know I'm I'm screwed up right now. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So I would, yeah. you know, a lot of times I see like kids with like, let's say, and this is obviously not you. I was just that was that was just a question. But let's uh-huh. take Down syndrome or or um, Asperger's or. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, autism or something, right? Something where we know that it's kind of it, the, the, the body is struggling. The nervous system is struggling to do what it needs to do. And then you're like, okay. And, and a lot of times these people have trouble making the right decision, right? So they need more parental guidance or more guidance. And then, you know, I, I saw one the other day, uh, someone the other day, I don't know, I don't know what was wrong with him, but he was obviously in this case, handicapped. Yeah. Mentally, mentally handicapped. And he was mm-hmm. way overweight and he was just, I, I saw, I think I followed behind him for like 10 minutes and he was, he was chain smoking. And I'm like, you know, this is a problem because if our body, if our nervous system is already, you know, like challenged due to just, 
I don't, I mean, I don't want to be rude, but just, you know, you got the short end of the stick, basically. Then I think uh-huh. it's even more important for those people to, to have the guidance to, you know, be on a, on a ketogenic diet, be on a paleo diet, be on something that's more balanced. Because if those kids are given pizza all day long and Twinkies all day long, they're going to easily eat it and, and wash it down with a cigarette if they don't know, if somebody's not watching after them. And so I think it's just really sad how we see these things. And a lot of times we turn directly to you know uh, excuses reasons or medicine or or whatever versus saying okay well what is in what is in our power what is in our control what can we do to at least make the situation like not worse yeah yeah i, I agree with you if we are limited in some areas of life yeah i think it's more of our responsibility yeah to make to not make things worse yeah and, yeah, and like I like I said, I'm not condoning people to smoke, even though I don't smoke. But uh, I, I would just see with me being disabled, because I know the people that are, are in wheelchairs that they smoke. I'm thinking I'd rather eat a banana split than than uh, take a cigarette, even though too many banana splits would be the bad end for me as well. Sure. I mean, I think in that case, I think everything in, in moderation, I mean, I think it's okay. I mean, I always joke and say, you know, cigarettes can't be that bad for you because everybody in Germany is like 90 years old. They're still living and they're, they're smoking all the time. So I mean, again, go back to George George Burns, smoke 17 cigars a day and live to be a hundred. Yeah, sure. Sure. So, So I think, I mean, I think everything in balance in moderation is okay, but I think we also need to remember our, our, our shortcomings. Right. So for me, I mean, maybe I do have a little bit of ADHD and ADD. I know one thing for sure is, I mean, nobody can multitask, but I definitely can't. I mean, I, I cannot, do something like this or write something or focus on whatever with a TV on in the background. It's just not possible for me. I can't oh, have wow. a TV on when I want to sleep. I will listen to the TV until, until the TV goes off. Like I just get intrigued by everything. So I know this. So then I make sure that if I'm going to go to sleep or if I'm working on the computer, I turn the TV off. Maybe I put some headphones and music on. I set myself up for success versus giving me, uh, you know, like every single chance to fail. And so now with the down syndrome and the Asperger's and this, you know, all of these things, it, it's, it, that's a little bit out of their hands, right? That needs, someone needs to step in and take a little bit of uh, the accountability for them. But I just think it's really good to know your weaknesses, know your strengths and try to lean on your strengths. And if anything, move away from your weaknesses. Uh, you and I differ on this point here that I have to, to have when I was studying to get my master's and my doctorate, I have to have a TV or radio going. I don't know why. I can't just mm-hmm. sit and study and read. I feel it's boring. I don't know if I think I'm missing the world if I don't know what's going on. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but I yeah. have to have something going for me to be able to stay focused to to do that. And so yeah, we're a little different in that area. So. Hey, I'm going to jump back real quick to um, you were talking about uh, with this uh, uh, autism and things like that. Um, my service dog and I, we were at the store one day. His name's Ricardo. Ricardo, we were walking in the store one day and woman comes up and says, hey, can my son pet your dog? And he's in the buggy of the uh, of the cart. So I got mm-hmm. my dog to get half a body on my lap so the boy can reach him. And then the boy all of a sudden points at my dog and he goes, dog. I said, yeah, buddy, he's a dog. You're right like that. And all of a sudden I look and their mother was crying. 
I saw tears come down her face. I put my dog back on the floor and said, hey, I don't know what Ricardo did, but I'm sorry. And she yeah. goes, no, 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 you don't understand. My son is autistic. And that's the first word I heard him say. And the boy had to have been four or five years old. And so to me, and we wrote a little children's book about this incident. And it goes to show that people with autism, Asperger's, whatnot, they're getting the information in, mm -hmm. but because of the wiring, like you said a while ago, something's not letting them express and get the information back out correctly. Because and here's here's the proof of that. He didn't call my dog. He called him a dog, right? He didn't call mm -hmm. him a cat. He didn't call him a doorknob. He didn't call him a toilet seat. He called him a dog. And it shows that somehow he getting the information in because mom and dad, somebody had been saying dog, petting the dog at home, you know, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. he knew it was a dog. He just had trouble getting it back out. And so it's just uh, amazing to me how the wiring just so special. Well, you know, also a really, really interesting one. And I think in 22 and politically correct, I don't know, YouTube, hopefully you don't, you know, don't get banned for this one. I mean, it's not that bad. Uh -huh. My, uh, my ex-girlfriend was, um, when I was back in the States was, um, an au pair from Denmark and she was, uh, au pairing for this God, the baby was named ocean and it was, it was young. I mean, it was still in one of those little bouncy things and it couldn't say mm -hmm. any words. And it was doing like that Einstein language where, you know, I, I little Einstein or whatever it's called. I obviously you can tell I don't have kids, but it was like, you know, what, what the, the monkey one was the cutest because she would just kind of lean to one side if we were watching it, she, you know, like a monkey would kind of scratch under its arm. That that's what she would do. Well, she loved the Rihanna song, uh, "Unforgiven" or "Unforgivable." It was a really cool song. Where actually Rihanna, I used to always joke and say, it, "Well, in the video, she her boyfriend, the white dude, she cheats on him, and uh, or he cheats on her or something." And it was a good song. In in Ocean, I God, I think she was like six months. Is really young. Um, as again, you can tell, I don't have kids, but like super young. And that super young part, this is the key to the story here, because um, that song came on and she really, really enjoyed it. And she'd start bouncing around and get a big smile on her face. And it was a really good song. I actually enjoyed it, too. So I thought it was cool that she liked it also. And then after that, Kanye West came on. And Kanye West came out with his boys and he had baggy clothes on. And I think anyone can probably hear where this is going. And he's walking kind of out like that tough guy, kind of tossing his shoulders, kind of with a limp, you know, rapping. And Ocean looks at, and she sees that. She looks up at Vicky, my ex-girlfriend at the time, and she does the, the monkey thing. And we're like, oh my God, no, 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 you can't do that. Like, that's racist. <laughs> like, yeah. he's not a monkey. And I said, wow, you know, we were in Arizona at the time and I'm being, you know, my masters, I'm a bit of an academic. And I said, that's crazy. I said, you know, I almost wanted to try to call some, like, uh, some sociology department or something and just be like, you wouldn't have believed what just happened. Yeah. Like this baby's way too young to be racist. Her, her, her parents were, were not both. They were not two white people. One was actually German. So you could make a joke about being racist with that uh -huh. one, but her father was, was a Latin guy. And so there, it wasn't like she was like some nine year old racist kid that grew up with like Confederate flags everywhere. It was the exact opposite. And she still saw that and basically had that movement because when she looked at Kanye, West and his buddies or whatever, he moved in her mind, that six-month-year-old mind, kind of like a gorilla. And he's a darker guy, which a gorilla is dark. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. And I was just like, it just goes to show you how the brain really works and how I think a lot of times pessimistic we are about
about, you know, meanings behind things that just don't exist. It's the, uh, a kid sees a dog, calls it a dog. Uh, I was young one time and I turned to a lady and I told her her kid was a mess because she had chocolate all over his face. My mom was obviously petrified (laughs) and so embarrassed, but the kid was a mess. And I think a lot of times there's a lot going on inside people, but yeah, you, you know, a little bit of miswiring and and, and people can't get it out. So I'm, I'm fascinated with psychology and sociology and just all of that stuff. And you see it last thing with, with a lot of times like the movie Rain Man. I mean, how many times yeah. have you run into someone that is autistic or, or you know, uh, just socially you know, awkward? I think is rude, but you know what I mean. And but yet they're in some field. They're geniuses. They're nine years old and you know every single president and like the color of his eyes. Something insane. And I think I think it's very interesting. Oh well, I think oh yeah, it's the body and the mind is very complex. And it can be very interesting. And I, I'm a form, I'm a firm believer that we're all gifted into something. It just mm-hmm. is it worthwhile, you know, knowing all the uh, TV game uh, jingles may or may not make you any money, but we're, you know, we're we're all geniuses in something. And even someone with a disability of whatnot, mental challenge as well, there's something that they know that we don't know. Yeah, from there too. We just got to figure out how to get it back out of them. So, and not only that, but figure out what it is. I mean, have you ever thought that, like, you know, let's say you you were playing football, you had an injury, and so you're in a wheelchair from that. And let's say you know you did some math, you did some English, you did your school subjects, like whatever. And let's just say that I don't know um, that you maybe could have been the dude that created, you know, I don't know, the next uh, like you could have modernized a piece of an engine, for example, who, I don't know. I could have maybe been the best, uh, you know, Chinese speaker ever, but maybe we just never really fell upon what our specialty was just by default, an accident of just never doing something like that. And I think that's, what's crazy is so, yeah, maybe you would have been the, the best nuclear scientist ever. I don't know. And you would have yeah. won a Nobel peace prize, but you, you, you never went down the nuclear science road because you were playing football. And so I sometimes wonder how many, geniuses are actually out there and we just don't know it because either a from like a mental standpoint the the wiring doesn't allow them to get that out or b just because they never gave it a shot because they were busy doing everything else and happened to never accidentally stumble upon what their gift really was and that is very true uh we while was just talking with someone yesterday that um sometimes we got our blinders on like the the horse races the horses we got our blinders mm-hmm. on we're so focused on what's uh <laughs> ahead of us or what we're really good at and we have no idea what other gifts we have because we're blinded on that one yeah. thing and yeah, so, yeah or, or i agree just, with it you. never yeah. it never it never came like what if somebody from i don't know from the middle of kansas could be an amazing ice hockey player because somehow genetically they're just i don't know they're just made to ice skate but if yeah, there's no yeah. ice and there's no hockey then you would never know i hear you David, hey, I appreciate it, man. This has been uh, very interesting. I've learned a, a, a lot from you there, man. So uh, appreciate you coming on. We're going to have a, some, again, don't want to call it a part two, but I want to find out again about this possible kidnapping and stuff and selling uh, later on. And well, so the we'll, Egypt part is we'll much more interesting. 
the the Egypt part's much more interesting because that actually like bullets were flying above my head. Yeah. The Nigeria thing is just a little bit of a joke because literally it, I mean, I've got some cool Nigeria stories, but it was literally that kidnapping thing was, I mean, it's just weird to think about, right? Like if I would oh, yeah. be like, whatever manager, like screw you and just walked out and hopped into a taxi. It's kind of, it's, it's interesting to think about how one little move like that I mean, in the States wouldn't really do anything. Maybe the guy takes you for a, a, a ride. Maybe you pay $20 more. But yeah, when you're in those countries, man, some, you know, some small decision like that. Yeah, man, I could have been, I could have oh, been, yeah. you know, the next YouTube video that I had to take down. I hear you. So, uh, but yeah, well, I'm going to get back with you. We're going to come up some uh, later on and, and, yeah, sure. and go for those. Again, those are some experiences that a lot of people don't get to hear about. And so they, they would be interesting. So appreciate you being on. Hey, uh, David, go and tell people how they can find you. If anybody had any questions, maybe want to speak with you, get some consultation from you or something. Yeah, sure. So I am, uh, I think the easiest ways to find me right now would be uh, Instagram is rehab GTS. So like rehabilitation GTS, like grant training system. So that's rehab GTS. And uh, in my website, unbreakableback.com. Pretty simple. Uh, and, uh, in my podcast, actually, right now I just do some lectures and things like this is called the G spot. And it's a joke because my last name is Grant and my girl, my ex-girlfriend named my pug Gucci. And so, uh, yeah, I'll go. go into a little bit more of that joke, but yeah, the G spot, uh, dot X, Y, Z is actually the website. Unbreakable back is my, is my website and, uh, rehab GTS is my Instagram handle. And I'll put those in the uh, show notes as well and everything. Okay, cool, so, cool. Yeah, to make it easier for people to pop in on them. So, all right, Grant, hey, we know there's people hurting and struggling today. If you can finish us with a powerful message to help them get through today, hey, man, that'd be awesome and a blessing. For sure. I would say um, don't give up and don't underestimate your own common sense. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's your body. It was my body. And, you know, as I said, I didn't go cold Turkey with everything and just, you know, not listen to any doctors, but I did question the doctors. I did choose in one sense, you know, they told me it was not a good idea maybe to get off my stuff, but of course they're going to say that. So what did I do? I made an educated decision that, and followed my common sense and said, okay, well, I'm going to slowly do it and see how I feel. But at the same time, using common sense, what can I do with my diet? What can I do with my friends? What can I do with my life? And I think the more questions you ask yourself, so people, yeah, not you and me specifically, but everybody, the more questions you ask yourself, the more answers you're going to get the more answers you get the more information and data you have to make better decisions so don't give up and try and, and trust yourself continue educating yourself to help make that decision easier and better as yeah well. completely remember completely. you're the captain of your own vessel and so yeah. you have the you have the final say so per se so all right, i tell you uh, thank you david grant for coming on appreciate that we're going to get back with you again Another time, I, I'm just going to be, man, those, those other things just, again, it's something I've never been through again, and it just fascinates me to hear people go through that stuff. So Yeah, for right. sure, for sure. All right, thank you again. Hey, everybody else, uh, be sure to uh, uh, share this to someone you know who needs some help, someone that's, uh, they don't have to be ADHD and bipolar depressed. The mission, the message is still the same, that mm -hmm. still looking for that hope to continue in life and to find a better life to be able to enjoy what's out there and everything. 
Hey, everybody else, I'm Dr. James Perdue, the professor of perseverance. Do something today, tomorrow, something next week that's going to help you persevere past your paralysis. Thanks for listening to the Professor of Perseverance podcast. For motivation, inspiration, and encouragement. For more information, go to Facebook at Professor of Perseverance. Visit the website at ProfessorofPerseverance.com and view the YouTube channel, Dr. James Perdue, Professor of Perseverance.